Hey everyone, this is Arnold Byun with Horn Welcome, a podcast where we meet the makers behind the most beloved restaurants in New York City. Today we have Maiko, who is the owner and restaurateur of Beso on Bleecker Street in NoHo neighborhood. It's a mo- restaurant that has modern take on Japanese comfort food. Uh, a beautiful restaurant that serves kind of a, a style of small dishes and large dishes. Open for dinner every day and brunch on the weekends. And I reached out to Michael specifically because I've personally been a fan of Beso. Uh, not just the food, but the environment and the brand and the ambiance that she's been able to create. Uh, and I think as a first time restaurateur and, and operator, it's a really impressive concept. Um, so the story begins here in New York City on the Upper West Side in Manhattan, where her dad was actually、uh, running a sushi restaurant in the neighborhood. So I grew up in Manhattan and on the Upper West Side, and my father owned a Japanese restaurant、uh, uptown.、Mm-hmm. It was a sushi restaurant, one of the first on the Upper West Side. So I grew up with my dad always working.、Mm. I mean, you know, I would go and visit after school.、Um, my mother helped out in the restaurant here and there, but more like. She, w- she has a. Floral she arrangements, right? She had an architecture background, exactly.、Wow. So she was also an Ikebana professor.、Um, she did a lot of、uh, flower arranging for museums like the Met.、Um, wow, really? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so she would kind of do Ikebana arrangements for the restaurant every week. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't helping out so much when I was younger.、I'd、yeah. I would do. You know, the Columbus Avenue Street Festival. Yeah. Or, you know, little things here and、yeah. there.、Um, but I think my dad was r- kind of against、um, having his daughter In the enter into、business. the restaurant business. So he wasn't, you know, he didn't really encourage me to go that route at all. Wow. What are your earliest childhood food memories? I have many. My、yeah. mom was a great home yeah, cook. Yeah. I've been tweeting. But. I mean, I guess my earliest memories were breakfast.、Mm-hmm. Um, partly because a lot of times I would get to eat with the whole family.、Mm. Uh, and I loved like scrambled eggs with tonkatsu sauce,、yeah. um, like the bulldog brand tonkatsu sauce. <laughs> my mom would always try to introduce regional dishes to us. Like, I loved this dish called tororo, which is like a grated Japanese yam.、Yeah. With Uh, miso, basically miso soup added to it. That sounds a- and awesome. And then it becomes like a little kind of porridge that you pour over rice and you add、yeah. little toppings, like maybe some、um, scallions or like fried sardines. Yeah. You know. I was reading too, though, like、uh, as she was cooking for you, she was also introducing、um, different parts of maybe Japanese culture to you through, the, through prepping meals together. So, what were some early introductions of like? Maybe she was, t- was she teaching about cultural customs of Japan?、Oh、or yeah. I mean, no meal my mother made was ever just like this one dish meal. It was always like kind of multiple.、Yeah. I mean, I guess in Korean culture, there's panchan.、Yeah. Like, in Japanese cuisine, too, there's like little side dishes. Oh, got it. And she was really adamant about making every side dish,、yeah. you know? So nothing was store bought. Like, she bought every, you know, she、All、made fresh, everything. All fresh, handmade.、Um, exactly. So. I don't know. I mean, she would introduce things here and there. And of course, growing up, I didn't know what they were.、Yeah. You know, I would just be eating, I don't know, like squid sashimi along with, you know, like a hot pot or、yeah. something. And then some, you know, amazing pickles. But、yeah. like 
didn't know that she made them. Or, right. You know? That she made everything right, that right, you were eating. Right. Nothing was bought. Right. And then as I grew older, I mean, and I also lost my mother when I was 18, I kind of returned to that food later. And I was like, you know, I want to try to make it myself. Yeah. Um, and so that cultural exploration came later. Yeah. You know, at like remembering kind of... M- epic meals my mother made yeah. and trying to recreate them. So this is fairly interesting. So I, I did a little um, deep dive and I came across your LinkedIn page. And I was just curious as to like what you studied and like <laughs> what your resume looked like. <laughs> but oh I, I went, I, I found that you went to school, uh, Barnard, Barnard College for um, Spanish, yes. Spanish language and culture. Yes. How did that, so tell me about how you, how you ended up I, studying that. Um, that was well really my, interesting. my father yeah. has a connection to Spain. So after uh, college, yeah. he lived there for a year. Yeah. He was, you know, living there during the Franco regime and he opened the first sushi restaurant in Madrid, which is probably like the first Japanese restaurant in Spain. The first to everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so one of my first family trips was to Spain. Yeah. I mean, you know, like outside of Japan and Disney and World yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, and I fell in love with it. And I don't, I don't know what it was. I just kept being drawn. Wow. To what? Spanish. How old were you when you went to Spain? Do you? Uh, I was in seventh grade. Seventh grade. Wow. So, Middle know, school. Yeah. Yeah. Like eleven. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Um, and. I've always been drawn into food and right. how that ties in. They have in a strong culture. food culture there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved going into this. I remember going into some tapas bar. My my dad loves, uh, I think they're called anguilas. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. like little eels. It was Yum. like a little eel tapas bar. Yeah. There was like a pile of dirty napkins on oh, the floor. Oh, yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. So this authentic. Is my life. <laughs> and I, I think I was really just drawn to the food at first. Yeah. But, you know, with that became this obsession with the language. Right. And the it always starts and with the food yeah. and then it kind of goes deeper yeah. into more things. And I've always been someone who just loves to pursue what I love. Yeah. You know, I mean, I went to Stuyvesant which is a math and science school. Yeah. Hated math and science. <laughs> Decided to pursue doing, language. Right. And I was like always doing um, like musical theater and art and really being into that. I was the, you know, photo editor for the newspaper. Wow. And just doing more art. So you're a very artsy kind of growing yeah, up. Yeah, I, I Into was culture and languages. Into that kind of more liberal arts side of yeah. things. Yeah. More than, more so than like math and science, yes. which is what that school is right. predominantly known right. for. Um, so when you went to school, you, were you taking like Spanish classes? You, do you, do you speak Spanish or? Uh, poquito. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. <laughs> My polishers are like saying all this Spanish. I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, so you've done a lot of different interesting things. So I, I kind of want to um, talk about them just a little bit as we kind of progress through the story. Uh, after you graduated, though, you went to children's publishing. I did. How was that experience? I loved it. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was in school, I was majoring in Spanish, and I wanted to utilize my language skills uh, in a field I was interested in. At the time, I really thought, I mean, this is like, it was just like a crazy dream, but I really wanted to do a children's cooking show. Wow. Because in high school, I was really involved in the Red Cross, tutoring kids. Like, I love children. Um, so... 
then in college, I was interning at Sesame Street doing really? like, uh, I don't know, some of their post-production um, proofreading That's for awesome. in like in Spanish, basically. Wow. <laughs> and other languages. Did not uh, find anything about this. This <laughs> no, is great. No, no, no. Keep it coming. <laughs> <laughs> but after I graduated, I was like, I want to do more of that. And yeah. then I landed this job in publishing, basically selling foreign rights, like uh, translation rights, so movie cool. rights. Um, utilizing my Spanish skills, but also my Japanese skills. And yeah. um, I thought that would tie in somehow right. into this faraway dream of of uh, producing a cooking, cooking show, show at some point. <laughs> maybe that's the next thing for a best Yeah, maybe that's the next thing. But that was like my, the start at the of, time. Yeah. At the time. But yeah. I, I always wanted to tie it back into food somehow. It didn't happen in children's publishing. Right. Um, and I was there for about like, uh, two years maybe, yeah. and then, and then I moved on to the art world. The next, next, yeah, next I transition. Takashi so, Murakami. So my life has been like nine lives. No, basically. that's great. <laughs> but I, I was, I worked for him because I was interested in working for a Japanese company. Mm -hmm. Did not want to leave New York, mm -hmm. and he has a studio, studio in here. Long Island City. Yeah. Um, and he was looking for someone who had the licensing background that I had. It just kind of worked out. Yeah. He wanted someone who could negotiate contracts and, you know, have oh, like it was a very specific skill set. that and you I had, had the specific skill set. <laughs> yeah. And Doing then, publishing. Right. Right. So I quickly became his right hand in that year. That's amazing. And a half. I, you know, traveled around the world with him, right. opened shows, yeah. did a lot of events. I mean, he's a contemporary artist, right? Does he? he so what does he what? What is his medium of work? Is it um, um, installations multi, or? I mean, it's multiple mediums. He does sculptures, paintings, uh, yeah. you know, kind of commercial goods. Amazing. Like he did Kanye West's graduation album and the Louis Vuitton bag. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. the the graphics. The, yes, he did the. That's so crazy. The graduation bear. That's so crazy. And he, uh, the like the graphic yeah. animation for that too. Wow. But <laughs> okay. he also did. Um, those Louis Vuitton bags that are white with the little multicolored. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. You know, logos. I mean, he also does art. That's yeah. his primary. That's, f that's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, what was it like working in that field? It was intense. Yeah. I mean, it was so, so different from anything, from anything I've you've ever done. done. And it was probably the biggest learning experience I've ever I've had to date. I mean, restaurants are intense, but Takashi yeah. Murakami is like a whole mother. <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't open a restaurant because that'll be just something else. But no, I mean, I learned so much yeah. about perfection and attention to detail and the need to look at every single crevice of everything. Yeah. I mean, your shelving system was inspired by your time with him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, okay, now I think the next step here. Uh, you worked at some phenomenal companies in terms of uh, hospitality industry, 60 Hotels, Thompson. Um, you know, we, we talked about this off air, but with Daniel Balloon as well. So how did you then um, transition into kind of the restaurant industry or private events industry? Well, during my time in college and also just, you know, having parents who yeah. owned a restaurant, I would help out here and there. I mean, during college, I was... Uh, hostessing at a local restaurant in Chelsea yeah. uh, called Momoya. Momoya yeah. And when I left Murakami, I, you know, I was feeling pretty burnt out. I wanted to mm. go back to my comfort place. And that was really in restaurants. Mm. Like I thought, I've, I have always felt like the restaurant 
industry is a home, home. a home base. Um, I've always felt comfortable in that environment. So I went to go work for my old boss mm. and I was there for about a year. She had just opened a new restaurant, so she wanted a manager there. Yeah. So I was there. Yeah. And then in that time, I was missing doing events. And, you know, I was doing lots of shows and parties for Murakami. Right. And, you know, I had, got, I had gotten a knack for that. So I um, went on to work at Thompson Hotels. Yeah. And quickly rose up the ranks, became the food and beverage director by the end of my time there. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it was an incredible experience. Yeah. I've never worked with, it was the first time I had worked with such a large team. Right. Um, different departments doing everything. Yeah. It really taught me about, about teamwork. Right. Just the need to rely on others. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Thompson Hotels is such a big brand now. Yes. And they've grown so much. And 60, if I'm not mistaken, was actually by the founder, one of the founders of Thompson right. Hotels. He branched out and did right. his own 60 hotel concept. I went on to move, you know, to work for Danielle yeah. Food and then went back to 60. Gotcha. Afterwards, because I had a connection with the owner. Yeah, that makes sense. But by that time, I was really doing freelance work for them yeah. and looking for a restaurant space simultaneously. So between the Thompson job and then... Danielle, I was working in real estate for a year. I worked for one of the owners of Ace Hotels. No way. Yeah. Wow. It, he owns a multidisciplinary company called yes. Tungsten. Yes. And that job was very unique. I, I basically got my real estate license and started showing spaces to chefs and restaurateurs looking to open, their, open yeah. their own place. Yeah. And you know, I worked with Ivan Orkin, helped him find wow. his Clinton Street location. one, yeah. A bunch of smorgasburg chefs, People, like yeah. uh, Neil Sinem. He he had um, Lumpia Shack yeah. for a while, and yeah, and others. So that was wow. interesting, and it was a time I really learned about grit because it was a hundred percent commission. Yeah. Which is scary. I that's so it's I on you. It's totally on you. Yeah. <laughs> but they did teach me that I could survive. You that's know? amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so this 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 point in, in your life, were you sorry? Were you also at you said Thompson or at no Balloon? no? I was just doing that. Oh okay. For a year. Wow. And then after a year, I was like, I I need a little more stability. So that's mm. when I went to Dynex. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And Dynex was interesting. You no, know, I I worked on the corner of 64th and Broadway. This is like full circle for you, kind right. of. Right, coming back to the Upper West Side where I grew up, yeah. and there's three operations that Dan Danielle has there: the mm -hmm. you know a pizzeria, balloon, balloon suit, and bar balloon. And I became the director of private dining there, so yeah. I was doing you know buyout events, private events, um, private dining. Yeah. So that was for about a year and a half, and it was also kind of it was interesting. I mean, the private dining department is in the basement it's like yeah, sub level yeah small team it's just it was just myself and my assistant yeah and a captain yeah um, like, a, like a pdr captain probably right, right and you know we we were killing it yeah i mean and i loved working with everyone it was hard i mean definitely with my background i did not come from a french background yeah it was an adjustment to work yeah. with french chefs who and the were, french food and yeah i think that in my pa zigzagging, yeah. you know, path, um, doing lots of different jobs, and I, I was, 
I had a focus. Mm. I mean, it didn't seem like it at the time, but I was feeling like I need to gain these skills to open my own business. Mm. And so, you know, learning real estate was not just some weird, like, 20s crisis I was having. It was yeah. really because I thought, I mean, my father does real estate now. Mm. And instead of expanding his restaurant, you know, restaurants, he basically just stuck to one and then went into real estate and always told me that if I ever wanted to open a business, I need to understand New York real estate. Smart. Yeah. So around the time when I was working at Thompson, I started to feel like I'd like to branch out on my own. Wow. Um, I think it was because, you know, everywhere I'd worked, I had kind of been trusted with more and more mm. and I was feeling like you know I want to gain these experiences and continue to work for both big and small companies but eventually I want to own my own yeah and so it was really when I started doing real estate that I was like I th I think I can do this and then yeah. I went back to you know the restaurant industry to really hone in on some of my you know kind of technical skills um Balud Sud and Barbalud were much finer levels of dining than I had encountered yeah, before. before. So, yeah. yeah. Striking out on your own, I think, without being said, is one of the scariest things that you could do in, in anyone's career. And for me, what I really liked about Beso was actually the name. When I learned what the name meant, it, it made so much sense. You know, all things considered, it's a terrific name for what she's doing. In Japanese, it means holiday villa or home away from home. Uh, next, we tackle her early beginnings, running the concept initially as a pop-up to test her menu items, finding the space, as well as finding her executive chef, Emily. I have to give credit to my friends, Rebo and Hikaru, who, um, like, for many years before I opened the restaurant, was like, you need to open a restaurant. And uh -huh. when you do, you need to use the name Besso. No way. That was like... I. Honest to God, I kid you not, like it was in when I was living in Brooklyn in my Carol Gardens apartment, I had this um I did a like a nabe party. Yeah. Like a hot pot party. Okay. And, and you had them we over made, like yo we made handmade gyozas and wow. we were talking about it and they're like, You need to use the name Besso. And I'm like, <laughs> Whoa. I, I was like, That's perfect, you know, because, I mean they had known me for a long time and yeah. I've always loved to invite people over and to take care of people. And it's just something that I, I truly love. Yeah. You so know? This is so interesting. So you've always kind of had the name in the back, in your back pocket. Yes. Yeah. But I actually didn't think I'd own a restaurant right. initially. I actually thought I wanted to go into fast casual and do oh. prepared foods. Yeah. You know, that like, was the initial kind of, yeah, yeah. I was thinking like, I'd like to do an Italy but Japanese, which cool. is actually now Japan Village. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the industry city. Right, right, right. Um. <laughs> but that was my thought, like, oh, like maybe, maybe like a Seven Eleven, like yeah. a Japanese Seven <clears> Eleven <throat> in New York, yeah. or, which other people have yeah. started to do now. But I found the space, and I feel like in New York, spaces dictate the concept. So that was why I, you know kind of put the prepared foods idea on hold. Because you found the space first. Because I spent that space on Five Bleaker was one of my favorite restaurants. No way. Yeah. 
It was called Bianca, and it was a local, cash-only, neighborhood Italian restaurant. And I used to go there, like, at least once a month. I would go just after work for birthdays, for, you know. It was your go-to. Anywhere, anytime, like special occasions or any day. Wow. And I went... I tried to go for dinner one night, and it was closed. I'm like, they can't be closed. It's like, <laughs> oh, it, it had been open for 12 years. And I used to also go to that bar next door, Vaughn. Mm. Um, so then following week, my friend who I work with in real estate calls me up, and he was like, I have this friend who's a landlord who's Japanese, and she, she has a building on Bleecker Street. She's in her 11th hour negotiating a contract with some someone. Okay. But she doesn't have a good feeling about him. Okay. And she's really she's always wanted a Japanese concept in this in space. That space. And she he was like, "I know this is a high ass, but she also would love a woman operator." And I'm like, "Really?" And he was like, "Do you know anyone?" I'm like, "You're speaking to <laughs> 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 You're speaking to her." And that's how it happened. That's so crazy. It was so like kismet. It was just like wow. I I hadn't thought of him. Like what did not reach out to him. He had no idea I was looking into owning my own restaurant. When when he called you, just to kind of as a time frame, when he called you, were you looking for spaces? Yes, I was actively wow. looking, and I was I wasn't thinking he could help me. I mean, uh, so it was just. Crazy. Out of the blue craziness. So your your landlord is Japan is a Japanese lady. She's a Japanese. And she lady. was looking for a Japanese concept. Yes. For the Japanese <laughs> operator. <laughs> which is Beso and Michael. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a good story. Yeah. Wow. So that was just it was like written in the stars. I'm yeah. Like, I have you to have take to take it now. Space. Yeah. And not a lot of things happen where you feel like there's multiple signs. That you should go right. and do this thing. But th- that was one of those moments where I was like, there's no question. I have to take this wow. space. Wow. Cool. Take, so you took the space. Right. You um, have the name. Could you I probably had the name. Was like I had the name. And I, was, I basically readjusted the concept where I was like, you know, okay, so this can't be like a 7-Eleven. It has to be a full service. <laughs> can't be prepared foods. I need to do full service. I need to do a restaurant. Wow. And I already had so much. Um, there was so much emotional connection, connection. to this space. I signed the lease. I mean, around the time I was negotiating the lease, Emily and I connected. Emily mm. is my head chef, yes. Emily Yuen. And she and I worked together at Baludsud. I had no idea what she was up to. She had already left Dynex. Oh, but you didn't know of this? I didn't know of that. And I think um, around that time, I was starting to feel a little panicked. I'm like, I need to find a chef, yeah. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or else you're going to be the or executive else chef. I would be this chef. <laughs> and then I was actually toying with that idea any, uh, as well because I was like, well, I might need to do this. So I was, I hosted a huge hot pot event because I d- thought like regional cuisine, I definitely want to do nabe, like mm. hot pots. Mm-hmm. That was like a big, just you know one of my biggest memories was hot pots growing up um so around it was around thanksgiving of like 2015 i threw this big party um at wilson tang's oh. space um, okay w- his new like nolita space oh got it then the one in nolita right right but it used to be like a cavernous event space yeah and 70 people were invited it was like 
random people. I mean, it was like Esther from Mockbar and Dookie oh. Hong and wow. like just like an industry industry people just like showed up. Um, okay, cool. I mean, with the help of friends, yeah. but um, and actually, my friend Theo, who who owns Bonsai Kakigori, okay, he and I cooked together. So he did the canapes and the dessert, and I did the main meal. Oh, so you cooked? So we cooked. Oh, wow. I cooked with my dad and my sister. Wow. So it was like a family affair. That's with amazing. Theo, and we were testing out the dishes, and we made um, uh, damago nabe, which I speak about on the website, uh, mm. on our website. But it was like one of the dishes that I remember a lot yeah. growing up, like pounding rice and making right. rice balls. So I made that for everyone. Emily saw this post, and she's like, are you hiring? Like, as a joke, right? <laughs> oh, on, on your Instagram. So you posted on this on Instagram, Instagram, and she she's she, like, "Are you hiring?" And I'm like, "Uh, let's talk." <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's how it started. Everything's so fortuitous it so is. far. I mean, I mean, I she's also crazy to be coming on board when I like hardly had you know anything really anything yeah really. So Michael thus far has found the space and the chef. She's finalizing some menu items, but. The other thing I did want to talk about was the branding. The logo that she has is very minimalist, something I personally really, really like and appreciate. And, I, and knowing her thus far, I think there is a lot of intention and detail to what she does. So I was curious as to see if there was any significance behind the branding, uh, as well as her early days. Like, what were the first days like operating her restaurant? Well, the blue logo, the branding, um, it's an indigo blue that is from the indigo dyeing process in traditional Thought Japanese be, yeah, in the know, jeans, fabrics. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, we, I mean, in Japan, it's sometimes called Japan blue. It's mm. like this deep, um, I, I don't know how to yeah. describe it, but like yeah. a deep sea blue. And... At work, everyone calls it Besso Blue <laughs> now. I love it. It's your own color. <laughs> right, right. So I wanted to evoke this this idea that we're making everything by hand and that it's homemade and that it's a piece of home, right. you know, that it's made from scratch. And so the Besso Blue or the Japan Blue is, you know, a, a nod to that. Mm. Um, we have some Tenugui fabric, some um, which are basically... Uh, traditionally, like workmen's scarves, like head scarves, but they can be used for lots of things, like mm. towels and stuff. Mm. Um, we branded those with like kind of stamps of Besso, the lettering Besso, like deconstructed. Yeah. Um, and that hangs up on the yeah. on the walls. Yeah. And it's made by friends of mine who I worked with during my time at Murakami's studio. That's amazing. They now, you know, my friend Kyoko now lives in Japan. Um, in Tokushima, which is mm. an island in the m kind of middle part of Japan. Yeah. And they're known for indigo dyeing. Got so it. they had a studio in Brooklyn when I was opening the restaurant, and I worked with them to create these nice. designs. Um, I also worked with friends who own a design company called Farewell. Yeah. And Kevin um, and Brian are yeah. the founders, but they helped me design yeah. everything. Those beginning days were so rough with like finding people. Staffing dishwashers. your restaurant, you mean? Dishwashers yeah. are so hard to find. Yeah, <laughs> quality. Quality. I would say quality, quality dishwashers, dishwashers are. Dishwashers. Yes. Yes. But we, I remember, we finally found 
this amazing dishwasher, Jacino. I still remember him. He he left, but like he was like also a green thumb and helped me garden. <laughs> Whoa. Nice. But I mean, finding the right people is the hardest part of yeah. the job, I think. Yeah. But thankfully, that first year or year and a half, we had the same crew. Yeah. So it was that was incredible yeah. to see the same people every day. Yeah. So in terms of staffing, recruiting, building your team, building a culture, I mean, you opened an outpost of your restaurant in Time Out Market in Dumbo. And I remember reading about this and I thought it was so crazy because I was like, whoa, like Besso is going to be here. That's amazing. Because most of, to be honest, most of the brands that are there are bigger brands. Right. So it's always nice to see like more mom and pop places yeah. open up. Yeah. So tell me about that. And also now, because you're one person, you can't right. be at both places. How do you maintain the quality between two places and then... Um, do you now kind of have a, a culture that you can attach to your restaurant? Like, how do you hire people now? Sure. I think that it's o- always a work in progress. Yeah. Thankfully, we have an amazing manager at Time Out. I think people matter. Like, you need to find the right people. Yeah. And I've made the mistake in the past of, you know, just like hiring out of necessity. You should probably never do that, right? No, no, don't do that. (laughs) Even if you have to suffer for a little bit, like find the right person. And for anyone that's crazy too, that wants to do their own restaurant, but it doesn't have to be a restaurant. It could be um, just being your own boss or, Mm -hmm. you know, opening your own business, whether it be restaurant or something else entirely. What is one advice, but I guess also like when you were going through this transition period from, you know, working at Thompson into what is something you wish you had heard from someone I think you know I, I don't know if any experience could really prepare you for yeah. owning your own business um, much less a restaurant I mean everything people told me was totally true <laughs> about not doing it <laughs> like, don't, don't do it like, don't do it uh, you gotta be crazy to do it you know all these things and I'm like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. but if you <laughs> I also feel like I would never, you know, I wouldn't have never done it differently. Mm. So if you have an idea that you're very passionate about, it's like you can see it, mm. you know? I think that's the biggest thing. You're like sleeping, dreaming about it, thinking about it all the time. Then yeah. then why not? You know, yeah. life is short. Like, go for it. If yeah. you have something to say and present to the world and you really want to... You know, if you really want to make it happen, you should go for it. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you only, it's like YOLO. YOLO. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I just want to end with saying that, like, I think it's so cool that as, you know, coming from a family where your dad was one of the first people to open a sushi restaurant in the Upper West Side. And now you're adding to the conversation and just kind of broadening what Japanese food means in the context of taking it more modern or whether it's comfort food but kind of like letting people know it's more than sushi and ramen right i think is really cool um i think that's something that has it's a conversation that has to happen especially i think in the asian context i think people have such a fixation on like what japanese cuisine is what chinese food is and what um you know korean food is so i just want to say from from me as someone who's you know patronized your restaurant that it's so cool to see that and i think given the conversation we've had, it's fair to say that your restaurant is a, is an extension of yourself. If, I think if so. Would that be a fair thing yeah. to say? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's so, it's a, such a wonderful restaurant. Thank you. Yeah. But um, 
thank you for being on the show and uh, such a fun time getting to know your zigzagging story which is just phenomenal <laughs> phenomenal um so thanks for spending your morning with me thank you so much yeah. thanks for having me <laughs>